You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, welcome into a Friday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. Thanks for listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya. My name is Wes Goldberg, and I'm here as always with David Ormill. It's Friday afternoon, so we're going to open up the mailbag. We've got questions about what the Heat should do in the draft, Bam's best comparison, and a whole host of other things. But let's start with this question from Billy, who writes in, What are some reasonable expectations for the six kids, counting Derek Jones Jr., Duncan Robinson, and Yante Maiden? So I didn't realize that the Heat had six kids. They have a lot of... It is the Brady Bunch making up the Brady Bunch. Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, Bam Adebayo, Derek Jones Jr., Duncan Robinson, Yante Mayton. I actually expect all of those guys to be on the roster next year. Can we just start there? And the the questions are Duncan and and, and Duncan Robinson, Yante Mayton. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, they'll be on the roster. I mean, how much they'll contribute uh, is debatable. I, I think we expect more from Duncan Robinson. I think than than Mayton at this point. Um, we've seen them kind of have faith in what Duncan can do. And, and uh, you talked to him and you saw his, his long range shooting up close. And I think you have a, a high expectation. I, for I love Duncan Robinson. I really do. I think he's got that. Uh, he's got that. Four, that is that what you talked about. You thought he might be a stretch yeah. four type. I guess Rashard Lewis kind of thing. Nice. Maybe. I see it. Yeah, I see it. Um, you know, a little, a little skinny for the position, but I think Duncan Robinson got the frame. He could put on some weight. Um, I let's start with like the Duncan Robinson Yante Man because I actually think that's actually more interesting than Bam Josh and Justice, which we talk about it, a lot. Yeah, uh, Duncan Robinson to me, he puts the work in. He's I just I, I watched him in a few shoot arounds. He just doesn't. He's not like joking around with guys, and maybe that's because he wasn't really around the team a whole lot, um, especially the first half of the year. But he's just I'm putting the work in. I'm going to get as many shots up as possible right now. And then when he did get opportunities, he really relished in those moments, um, and, and I thought he really appreciated being part of the team. So he's got a great skill set uh, as far as his three-point shot goes. I think he can put the ball on the floor and attack closeouts along the baseline, you know, out of the corner and do stuff like that. A little limited outside of that, but he's got enough size defensively where I'm not that worried about it. And again, you know, he's not the biggest, he's not the greatest athlete, but I think he could just figure out enough of a way to, if you put him at the four where and he just gets a little bit stronger. He can make it work there. So I actually, I, I think that's his best position, is as a stretch for sort of what Shane Battier did for Miami, uh, but without the switchability on defense, I guess. But yeah, it's more of a Richard Lewis type. Yeah, like old old man Richard Lewis. That that's that's fair. I, I mean, that's that's a pretty good comparison, I think. And uh, the reality is, I think now we're we're looking at a guy like like Robinson, and so long as he can shoot. There's going to be a place for him in today's NBA. I think his mm-hmm. his issues defensively and athletically aren't so you know inferior where he can't find some playing time occasionally here and there. And I think we if if you if you're right in in how much he approaches the work and and, and you know continues to try to improve, there's going to be a place for him on this roster. And I think Spolstra will gravitate towards a player like that as he has so often in the past. And I think they'll continue to push him to, to reach another level there. And if, as long as he can continue to shoot at a high level, then I think there's an opportunity for him to to capitalize on that and, and be a productive player. So, you know, we're talking about as, these guys, by the way, 
And it's just sort of struck. You said as long as he keeps putting the work in, and it—that's the great thing about having your G League team in Sioux Falls, right? Yeah. It's not like you're, if your G League team were oh in nowhere Miami else, yeah. There's nothing else to Fort do. Lauderdale or Boca, even Boca Raton, like where there's just like you know shopping malls. Um, I think they have a Shake Shack now. Wow. I would just spend all my time at Shake Shack. Um, maybe you're not doing as much work. Maybe you're, you know, spending a little more bit more time on the beach. I don't know. But, like, if you're in Sioux Falls, like, what else is there to do? We had, uh, at Sioux the Falls. beginning of the season, we had Dan Peters, the voice of the Sioux Falls Sky Force, on. And we were asking about Sioux Falls. And he was like, what is it? He's like, yeah, there's a, lot of, you know, there's a lot of great breweries, you know, local restaurants and stuff like that. I was like, okay, so you have food and you have beer. Everywhere has food and beer. And, like, I'm not knocking Sioux Falls. You know, it sounds great. But it does sound like a great place also if you're an, a G League player trying to get into the NBA where it's just like, all right, well, what else am I going to do? I'm just going to work really hard because I don't have all of the temptations that Miami would have, right? Well, I, yeah, I, I could see that. But at the same time, like, you know, they were both part of the team towards the latter part of the season there. And I think, yeah. you know, seeing Dwayne Wade's retirement play out the way it did, seeing all the guys kind of make that playoff push, these things have a trickle down effect and, and have, make a positive impact on a young player. Like they they gained firsthand experience of what it was like, and and were able to witness a guy like Wade, even at thirty seven years old, uh, you know, still pushing to do everything that he could do on the floor. Like these things ha- are important lessons for a young player to learn. So I, I think they're going to have an, an incredible cumulative effect as far as their overall development is concerned. And you know, it's good to be able to trade off between Sioux Falls and maybe some relative quietness there to the big city in Miami. But at the same time, experiencing life with the big club, seeing the players, the the, the superstars. I mean, these guys, they're both so young now. They grew up, they're, they're almost their whole lives have been with Dwayne Wade as an active superstar in the league. And so I think that's that's a lot to handle. But at the same time, you know, you can relate to them on a one-to-one level. Um, you could see the work that they put in to get to this point, even at 37 years yeah, old. Yeah, what was Duncan Robinson was three or four when Dwayne Wade got drafted? <laughs> right, right. That's 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 right? incredible. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's they're, they're almost their whole life. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a great thing to watch. So I, I'm I'm glad they got a chance to experience it. But now there's a you know a room a, a, you know capacity for them to grow and, and fill another role with this team. Yontay Mayton is the interesting <laughs> guy because we saw more of Duncan Robinson than we did him, but. Again, and talk, back to that, we had that, I think it was the conversation, we had that before the season started with Dan Peters, right? And he mentioned, I, if I recall, Yante Mayton being one of the guys that he thought could be a standout. Um, a lot of people talk about Mayton. He was he was one of the best players in the G League when he was down there. Yeah. Again, didn't get a whole lot of run in the at the NBA level, but 6'8", power forward, is he a center? I don't really know... Like, like, what does he really do? I know he's a good rebounder. He's an energy guy. He's not an outside shooter necessarily. Maybe he's a rim runner. I don't know where you fit him. And if you've got Duncan Robinson at the four, where if we're going to go back to the question here, Billy's question, realistic expectations, I don't know what the realistic expectation is for Mayton. Does he Is he the third or fourth center off the bench? I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a, a productive use of his talents either. I think he, there's a little bit more athleticism there. Yeah, than just being stuck in a center position. Although, I mean, if he can fill it, I, I don't, also don't know that at his size, he can defend bigger centers around the league. So right. I, he's not going to get the a thing lot with of Bam, out. right? Like Bam is he's taller than six eight. He's a good six ten probably, but he's such a freak athlete. And I don't think if if, if Mayton was a freak yeah, athlete, no like Bam marks, was, he would have. Yeah. yeah, there's no question marks about his strength and being able to guard against you know, bigger centers. Even guys mm-hmm. like I mean. 
are, how many centers around the league are actually considered like like really strong big men? Like Joel Embiid, Stephen Adams, maybe. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, Marcus Gasol. Yeah, and then um, Gasol at this point in his career isn't really a threat offensively, except for right. you know long range shooting. So there's no issue. Good passer. There. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So things that don't necessarily require incredible strength if you're undersized like Bam or or, or Maiden. So. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, the four looks like a, a pretty likely spot, but, you know, that's... that's a, He averaged... I'm sorry? 20, 23.5 points per game, 10 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 1.2 blocks, and 0.8 steals per game in Sioux Falls in 32 minutes a game. Great numbers. Um, he shot 32% from three-point range on 3.6 attempts. So maybe he's a stretch four guy, too. Yeah. Ish. Not like quite, maybe a, uh, you know, this would be pretty lofty, but a PJ Tucker? Even bigger than PJ yeah. Tucker. Bigger than PJ. Well, he's 6'8, 240. So what's PJ Tucker's like 6'5, 240. But. Draymond um, Daspons? Jamichael Green. Huh. I could see that. No, Jamichael yeah. does, he's not overly athletic. Right. Kind of a, a more of a low post he's player, a- right? But more of like a three four than a four five. Even though he played, he could play some five. Like a just okay. So that's where we're at. Uh, that's enough Yante Maiden talk. Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, Bam Adebayo. Realistic expectations for them. Um, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this. I think all three of those guys are going to play a whole lot next season. I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah, one one of them might be good enough to warrant All Star consideration. Not all three of them, mm. right? I mean, but I like isn't that. that those are reasonable expectations? Yeah. I, I think yeah. if we can see some growth from Josh, we can get her. If we can see some consistency from Justice, if he's full-time in the point guard role. Well, Justice we... is going to get the benefit of you're going to be able to vote him in as a guard or a forward probably next year. That's going to be a benefit to him as far as making the All-Star team. If you had Bam to, probably won't. Yeah, if you had to rank those in probability of getting some All-Star consideration, not being an All-Star, how would you yeah. revote to Josh. Winslow? Yeah. Jo- jo- I would say Josh Richardson, then Winslow, then Bam. Okay, that's fair. The, and then Duncan Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, <laughs> look, I think Winslow, he can make an impact. Like, look, we, we saw a pretty limited sample as far as him being full-time in control as the leading guard. Um, and I think if we get 82 games of that or close to, and they make a, play, a playoff push and they're a pretty solid team, et cetera, I think enough people will start to kind of realize, huh, you know, maybe there's room there. Like, I, I think so, some people around the league, even media members that are, are allegedly watching a, a bulk of, of basketball games, I don't think they quite know what, what Justice Winslow is or what he became last year. Like, he, he took a major evolutionary step. So I think there's going to be some eyes open there. And Yeah. Um, that could... It'll be interesting to see how the most improved uh, votes come in. And how much love Justice got for that, because he probably yep. he should get a lot of votes for that. I mean, yeah. you know, I know he played point guard and stuff, but like the three point shot in, in and of itself, he should it should be enough to garner a bunch of votes for that. But I don't think he will. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, so six kids, that's the Brady bunch. I don't know what seven kids would be, but as of now, the Heat are going to have seven kids going next year. They have a pick. They pick that are slotted at 13 in the draft lottery. We'll talk about what the Heat should do in the NBA draft after this break. This is the ZipRecruiter ad. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place that you can go where hiring is made simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. It's a magical place, and that place is called ZipRecruiter.com 
slash locked on. The slash locked on is really important, guys. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applicants come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each and every one of them, spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's great. At this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. Make sure if you're going to use ZipRecruiter to add the slash locked on. That's the only way that they know that you came from us. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I don't know why you wouldn't be using this. There's certain things like there's certain things that you just use now. Like you just you listen to podcasts because they're they're really great. You listen to Locked On Heat because we're the best heat podcast around. If you're hiring, you should just be using ZipRecruiter. It's it's a no brainer, David. No, absolutely. I mean, it's so challenging. There are so many other things to do. You want to maximize your time, or or conversely, you don't want to spend as much time working as you can. Uh, on this, you know, hiring isn't something that should take up the bulk of your time. You need to go and generate as much income as possible. You need to devote your time to your clients or services, whatever it is that you're working on. You can't focus on those that kind of minutia. That's why there's a perfect service like this to help you build your business and make more money in the long run. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. Rico writes in, with Josh playing the three and Spolstra's reluctance to label Justice as a point guard... Rico's just trying to trigger us at this point. Yeah. Do you think the Heat look to draft the guard after Dragic and Dion? There's no depth at the guard position. I look. This is a thing that we're gonna be discussing a lot, David. Is what? Where do the Heat go? I don't. Do you take best player available if you're in the Heat's position? Because that's sort of also what this question is. You know, do you zero in on a need, or do you just take the best player available? Because we, if we believe that they did that with Bam. Right, they yeah. thought he was the best player on the board, yeah. but they drafted him in a situation where they already had two centers in Whiteside and Olenek. Uh, I, it, it's it's interesting, especially because this team has been so poorly constructed, and there's so many there's so much depth in certain positions, and not really a whole lot of depth at others. You know, taking the best player available could be problematic, but also you don't want to pass on a great player just because. He doesn't play the right position, you know, because there's nobody on this roster who's so great where you would just say no. I think it's a case-to-case situation, and I think that might be somewhat vague, but the reality is if the player that's available with this pick of the draft, was it the 13th pick, is that good, and you have them rated that highly, and they, they tick off whatever you know measurables you're looking for and intangibles and things of that sort that you think they could be a foundational type player for years to come, whether he plays the the one two three four or whatever, you take them, and I think that's still the Miami's approach and the, this front office's approach. Now, having said that, I I think they'll still be looking to draft probably a a four. I think that's still the biggest area of need there. Even with James Johnson, even with Kelly Olynyk, even with Duncan Robinson and Yante Mayton potentially playing those roles, I think there's no superstar talent at the four. Whereas at least in the the one the wing positions I think are pretty well set with either Josh, Justice, Goron, maybe even Derek Jones Jr. filling them capably. So that that to me, despite Rico's you know issues with the lack of depth, I think those are fairly set. Uh, to me, I'm looking more at the four spot as as one that you mm. want to shore up 
with some high-level talent because we're not sure what we're going to get out of James Johnson. I don't know how much more we can get out of Kelly Olynyk if they're going to continue to misuse him as far as his offense is concerned. And there's limitations to what he can do defensively. And there are still major questions, and I think reasonably so, regarding Robinson and Mayton. So to me, I'm looking more at a four, a stretch four, somebody who can shoot well from that position and probably defend and has enough athleticism so that that can translate into a myriad number of ways. Um, That's what I And has size, too, because the Heat would need some size. And then the other thing about drafting the four that's like that, you wouldn't be... You would rarely be pigeonholed into playing Justice at that position. Right. And it would be a lot easier to play him at the one. Um, I agree that with Rico that there is a lack of depth, especially if the goal would, might be to trade one of those guys down the road. You you kind of want to backfill that. I don't... I mean, if you got Josh, Justice, Dion, Dion and Goron, you kind of need another person there. Ball handler. Um, yeah, another ball handler, another three-point shooter, I think would be really beneficial and again, it doesn't force you into playing Dion Waiters or, or Goran Dragic, and you could trade one of those guys and really just kind of move on. Can't you get that out of Bam? Having though? a glaring need. Bam and Kelly Bam? Yeah, Bam and Kelly Olenek. Can't they be... As far as ball handlers? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, is Bam, if Bam takes this giant leap and becomes point Bam, then yeah, I guess, but I don't know. I would want, I, I would want a three-point shooter somewhere on that roster. Like a real three-point shooter. Not like an above-average three-point shooter. There's a whole lot of above-average... I want a real three-point shooter. And that's going to be hard to get at 13 because those guys keep getting picked. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guys that do fall to 13 tend to be defensive liabilities. Mm-hmm. But if there's one available, maybe. But then, you know, also, I, so I, I would say a shooting guard, a floor spacing guard, and then a forward like you're talking about are probably the two needs. One of the smartest things I've ever heard in regards to the draft, and it was actually in reference to the NFL draft, is this debate versus need. Need versus best player available mm-hmm. is we kind of look at those two things in a vacuum. But when these teams are going through their draft evaluation process and they're looking through scouts and they're and they're building their internal big boards and doing these things, inherently, almost almost subconsciously, you kind of elevate the guys that you need higher on your big board. So you know what I mean. Sure. So where it, best player available. You know, so many of these guys are so close where you might, if you're the Heat and you, there's a guy like Nasir Little who might not make a whole lot of sense for them, but there's a guy like Darius Garland who does make more sense for them. Mm. They're kind of, they're probably similar as far as their best player available goes in a vacuum. They're probably similar raw talent wise, but they might elevate Garland because he plays more of a position than need than Little, right? He might, they might just have him ranked higher on their big board. Yeah. So that I do think plays into it i don't think it's just a clear black and white thing i do think that teams have a bias that that plays into whatever they view as best player available and that's that makes a lot of sense i mean it it, uh it tends to blend together and i I think whether it's subconscious or conscious either way i I think it does make sense that you'd gravitate towards somebody like that so i'm glad you pointed that out bam adebayo stan writes in is bam ceiling a more athletic al horford or a taller draymond green and is that a build around piece is that the same um, player? A more athletic Al Horford or a taller Draymond Green? I think that's what he's saying. Yeah. So what's the difference a, though? I think he's saying is is Bam ceiling a player like that or not okay. a player like that? Okay, yeah. Fair enough. I was confused at first too. Okay. Bam out of Iostan. Great question. The it comma is. threw us off. <laughs> um Yeah. I think that's a ceiling. Yes. 
Al Horford is a good one. Draymond Green, I don't think so. I actually, taller Draymond Green, I mean, Draymond Green brings the ball up as a point guard. Al Horford doesn't really do that. I'm not sure that Bam is going to do that. But Bam I, does, I do does see, that. He does bring the ball up. I think he could do it, but... He does do uh, it, though. It's just... Not, not as yeah, much he as does Draymond. do. I just don't like. Is that the okay? Is that the best version of that though? What do you like? Mean? Do we want Bam bringing the ball up? Uh, or do not. you want him more as like? I'm sure Al Horford could also do it, but yeah, no he, he kind of it. he'll get the ball in the elbow and, and sort of facilitate from there. I think I like Bam there more so than I like him bringing the ball up. Yeah. Okay. I, I, there is then. Yeah. Okay. Then. Then to my question earlier, there is a difference between a more athletic Al Horford or a taller Draymond Green. So yeah, my bad, so. Bam Adebayo stand. Um, and I and I think the athletic Al Horford's probably more along the lines of where we see Bam developing, and and mm-hmm. that's a pretty good comp. And I think that's a great ceiling for him if that's the case. Like I mean, that's we're talking about a versatile defender, a more athletic rebounder. Um, the shooting is way off, and I think he needs a lot of work to get to that Horfordian levels. And I think even when Horford came out of UF, Horfordian, yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, when, even when he came out of you know University of Florida, I think Horford was a better long range shooter than what we've seen from Bam so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not to say that we well, won't... he actually he actually played at UF, unlike unlike Bam, he barely played at Kentucky. But right, no, I mean yeah, but but even. Look, and I think Horford played for a couple of years there, so he was a little older. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, by the time Horford got drafted, he's, he was probably much older than Bam, who's just completed his second season. So, I mean, we're, we're looking at a player yeah. who has a considerable way to go and, and a lot of room to grow and, and the capacity to do so. So, I mean... well, we're And we're already seeing some of the, the Horford stuff. I mean, Horford's been in the league forever now, and... There's still sort of this knock against him, really among I think casual fans. Like you're gonna make him an all star. He's you're gonna pay him this much. Like he doesn't score 20 points per game, you know. Right. And that's sort of, but he does all the other things in between. And is he he helps basketball teams win games. And that he whether it's passing, rebounding, defending multiple positions. The the Celtics are always better when Horford's on the floor. And we're already seeing some of that with Bam, where we're seeing fans. Why doesn't he shoot more? Look at Whiteside. He's so aggressive with his shot. Bam should be more like Whiteside. You know, how many times have we heard that? And I don't think that's really Bam's DNA. I think that's good. You need a guy who doesn't need the ball, does who is comfortable shooting four or five, six times a game, and that's it. But you know, likes loves the opportunity to set great screens and facilitate others and get rebounds and push the pace and switch and guard multiple positions and do all these things and help the team that way. That And so I like that comparison, too, b- b- uh, between Bam and Horford because I could see Bam going through and having a really, really successful career. And you and I are really high on Bam Adebayo. If he does reach that sort of peak, he will get those same knocks at Horford. He should be shooting more kind of thing. So to the second part of Bam Stan's question, is he a build-around piece? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think you need those guys. You absolutely need those guys. Not everybody can be shooting 15 times a game. You need those guys. But he's not a... a... I think when he uses the terminology build around, you're looking at the kind of player, not just somebody that you need, which yeah, certainly contributes to high levels of winning, et cetera. But at the same time, he's not the the central foundational piece of your team that you build around, say like a LeBron James or a Giannis Antetokounmpo, et cetera. Oh, no, 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 no. Isn't that no, what the terminology not. build around piece? Isn't that how it's used? Like, like is he, he's a key piece. He's a key player of, of any kind of winning system that you're trying to implement because of his versatility, athleticism, 
capacity for growth, et cetera, all those things. That well, you here's mentioned. what I'll say. If, if you're building the heat right now, you're looking at how you're going to build this roster going forward. Around. I am building with Bam Adebayo playing center in mind. Absolutely. So whoever I put at the four, the three, the two, the point guard needs to make sure that that, that fits. Probably I need to make sure that that makes sense for Bam. Right, like knowing that Bam is my center, I am not running offense to my center. We're not running a whole lot of post ups, right? So with that in mind, how do you build that? So I think he is a build with piece. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I, no, that makes sense. We're getting into semantics now, but uh, I do think you build with him in mind. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, um, let's take a quick break here, and then we are going to talk about Bam Adebayo versus Donovan Mitchell, which is a debate I guess we're having now. Hmm. Uh, that's coming up after the break. You're listening to Locked On Heat. Remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Heat on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya. With their personally curated playlists and new features coming out all the time, download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Heat. This next question comes from Chicorito Marito. This is long. So he... he yeah, it's been a while. Uh, Chico for short? I don't know. No. Chicorito. Okay. Chicorito Marito, come on. Chicorito for short. Okay. Because their M is capitalized in his Twitter handle. So I'm figuring that's his last name. Chikorito. So we've got this long... Why are we he, he, answer, <laughs> he, he sent us this question on Twitter. And uh, he sent it to us on April 24th. We're recording this on April 25th. So people started responding to it. And so it made a pretty interesting Twitter thread. So instead of just reading the tweet like we normally do, David, I'm just going to read the whole thing. Okay. The whole Twitter thread. He's going back and forth. At Locked on Heat, have we dodged a bullet with Donovan Mitchell? Is the BAM pick justified, given Donovan Mitchell's opportunity versus BAMs? Who is outperforming expectations? I feel like I know how DM's career plays out. He'll get Tier 1 max money, but should only probably be your third best player. Mm-hmm. I'm basically saying DM is the next John Wall, DeMar DeRozan, Russell Westbrook, an albatross contract waiting to happen. Bam, on the other hand, looks destined to be a high-level contributor on a value contract at worst. Hot take Harry, friend of the show, writes in, responded to him. I said this the other day, and people went nuts. Uh, here we go. Chikorito Marito responds, 100% agree. It's not about their individual ability and numbers. All evidence supports that titles are built on production output versus va- uh, dollar value paid. Mitchell might be the better player than Bam, but I'm saying he's going to eventually cripple your cap. Corey Ned responds to that. Mitchell has led Utah to the playoffs in a tougher conference two straight years. Until Bam becomes the number one option, this isn't close. Chico, uh, Chico, Chico writes back, It's not about who is the better player at this point. DM is for sure. I'm saying, is DM going to take to get you anywhere near a title? The answer is, I don't think so. DM needs to seek out Lillard and find out how he changed his game. And that's kind of where we're at now. So... Donovan Mitchell versus Bam Adebayo. And I, re- I think this is a really interesting conversation to have because obviously Donovan Mitchell is a better player than Bam Adebayo. But the concept of having to eventually pay Donovan Mitchell, what you're going to eventually have to pay Donovan Mitchell, can you? is that a player who you're going to want to pay Tier 1 money to, like he says here, versus playing Bam, you know, being this low-value guy, this Al Horford type of guy, you're probably not going to ever have to pay him that sort of Donovan Mitchell money, mm-hmm. and that actually might be better for team-building reasons. What do you think about all this? Well, I, I kind of want to take a step back. Uh, you, you jumped ahead there pretty quickly as far as 
considering that Donovan Mitchell is a better player than Bam Adebayo. Oh, I knew you were going to take it this way. I could have. I would have bet three thousand dollars that you were going to take it this way. Should have taken the bet. So you really think it's that clear as far as what Donovan Mitchell is? I mean, look, there are questions about Donovan's performance in the playoffs. I think there have been questions about his second season in the league, about what role he fits best. There's problems with his efficiency in shooting and his volume shooting uh, that he does not knock down at a high level, which isn't to say that he's a bad player or a really good player or a better player than Bam. It's just it's part of a bigger picture when it comes to what, what Donovan is and what he was expected to be in Utah. Like the, the, the growth that we've seen from Donovan Mitchell, the expectations there were lowered when he was drafted. Like we had high hopes for him coming out of college and sure we had hoped that he would slide to Miami. That didn't work out. I don't think Utah, you know, in the wake of losing Gordon Hayward in free agency, they were looking to take a guy who might blossom, um, and they weren't quite sure what role he would play. And if not for the injuries to Dante Exum and others, he might not have had a playing opportunity at all. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. So he he, was, he had lowered expectations placed on him when he was drafted. He came into the league, filled a role in Utah. But he's still kind of, even now, vacillating between point guard, shooting guard, yes, you know, creator, shot taker. I mean, and there's issues there with that because he does not have a clearly defined role. And so... That's led to uh, some exposing of some weaknesses in his efficiency, especially when it comes to his shooting, like I said. So, I mean, we're looking at what Bam I don't know does. about exposing. I don't know about exposing. I, I think exaggerating certain flaws that he has, right? Okay, that, that's and, fair. That, and he's, point guard's a really hard position to learn. And he sort of has done a really good job of figuring it out on the fly. And you're right. He shouldn't be a point guard. He's a shooting guard. Um. Donovan Mitchell's really good, man. And I know that this was a, a really tough playoff series for him, but who else, like, no, everybody plays off. Like, he's got Rudy Gobert and Ricky Rubio or the other guy. Like, Joe Ingles is a great three-point shooter, and that's it. And, it's, and he, he had a really terrible series, too, Joe Ingles did. So it's just really easy to scheme against Donovan Mitchell. It's really easy yeah. to scheme against the Utah Jazz in general, and they make the most out of it. I mean, I can't believe they took Houston as far as they did. Yeah. But... Donovan Mitchell's really like he was playing. He played this year at an All NBA level for the second half of the season, and that's that's the stats. That's not me being a Donovan Mitchell lover. That's just those are All NBA level. He had a real argument to be made, but he was he struggled out of the gate, as did the Jazz, and I think people saw that, stopped watching Utah Jazz games, and uh, and kind of and then they they had that in their mind and then they ignore they don't watch the Utah Jazz when Donovan Mitchell is playing at that all NBA level mm-hmm. and then they see him in the playoffs Struggle. and they're like, Oh yeah, this guy doesn't is not good. And I think there's a lot of people it's kind of fashionable right now to come out against Donovan Mitchell. I am if you are selling Donovan Mitchell stock, I'm grabbing it right now because I'm all in on this guy. He's I, gonna I be a not, really good player. Yeah, I am not selling Donovan Mitchell stock. Yeah. And and okay. I think it's just that first question that Chicorito writes in as far as whether or not we dodged a bullet and I think there are legitimate questions about what Mitchell can do, what he can't do. But at the same time, there was a lot of weight and expectation placed on him, somewhat unfairly, in just a second year. Yeah. Um, whereas, if had he been drafted by Miami, I think they could have tailor-made a role for him, probably one coming mm. off the bench. But, you know, with Dion injured last year, he would have gotten that opportunity. He also would have learned at, at, at Dwayne Wade, you know, he, he would have been able to kind of pick his mentor's brain a little bit more closely, and he, we would have seen some, I, I think, much more significant growth from him. 
Um, so I think that's the question. At least a part of what Chicorito is asking is whether or not Donovan would have been a better, been a better fit for Miami than Bam when they were selecting him. I think both players would have thrived here, and that's not homerism. It's, it's you know, work here. I think Donovan would have learned a lot. He would have had a much more specific role and wouldn't have been asked to do as much as he's doing in Utah. And I think he would have. And it would have been cleaner worse. too, because the whole Bam fits, but you've got the whole Whiteside situation, and the Kelly Linux situation too. Bam really fits what they need, right? But um, and fills a need that those guys don't. But it would have been cleaner. You're right. Like Donovan Mitchell, you just elevate him post Dwayne Wade, and that's 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 it. That's kind of your thing. So the um, second maybe part, maybe they don't that... resign Dion Waiters that year. Either, no, absolutely, nice. absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so the, the second but, part, then, yeah. as far as the the money is concerned, like like that's. That's a hell of a leap. Like, we don't know what we're going to see out of Donovan Mitchell in two, three, four right. years down the road. And I think a lot of that, as you just pointed out, has a lot to do with Utah's roster construction. If they make a move, if, if Rudy Gobert is moved for something, or maybe they move Joel Ingles' contract as he continues to get older, who knows what could happen there? Maybe they get a different point guard than Ricky Rubio in the future. Uh, and, and that changes the dynamic of how this offense is run. And maybe it, it maximizes what Mitchell does rather than exposes or, or kind of. Uh, heightens whatever issues he might have as yeah. far as his offensive concern. And that those contracts, the Russell Westbrooks, the John Walls, those deals, that's not the second contract. That's the third contract. Utah's right. got a lot of time to figure right. out what Donovan Mitchell is. They, I wouldn't worry about this at all. I don't think that they dodged a bullet whatsoever. They got one of the best players in the draft, period. You don't know if he's the number one guy yet. And you've got a pl- you've got plenty of time to hit the eject button between now. If, you, if at any point Utah decides... Let's sell high on Donovan Mitchell. They can, and they will. They are going to get a lot of value in return. I don't foresee that happening. I think that you rebuild Donovan Mitchell more so is the kind of player that you let Ricky Rubio walk in free agency. You you can, and you try to rebuild around Mitchell and figure out what what this Utah Jazz team looks built around Donovan Mitchell. Because right now it's not. It's not built around Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell's done his best with a team that's almost built against Donovan Mitchell. So. Um, you you figure that out. Yeah. To your point, like we're asking these questions now about Russell Westbrook, but I don't think anybody was asking them two years ago or three years ago, as far as that contract is concerned. And now all of a sudden it's become pretty clear that he's failed to evolve at at 30 years of age and that he's not going to necessarily adapt to the way the league is changing. He's become a far less effective player because he's no longer as athletic and explosive as he once was. And his shot his shot just isn't falling, and he, and I don't know if he'll make an, an evolution there, but there's plenty of room for Donovan to, to grow as a shooter so that there's another level for him to reach, and if that's the case, then I think you'd be comfortable giving him the kind of money that we're talking about. Yeah, and again, that's the third contract. Yeah, you've you've accumulated years served in the league, and you're able to get to that $35, $40 million thing. Like, they've got plenty of time. We, can, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this last question, David. Mark writes in, can we be a legitimate contender in the East next season? No. No, we can't. No, we yeah. can't. And I mean, look, I think the playoffs kind of has shown that everybody has weaknesses, even at the top. I mean, I think Milwaukee and Toronto are the best teams still. Mm-hmm. Boston's very good. Philadelphia has top-tier talent. I don't know how Miami's going to be able to supplant any of those. I mean, there would have to be incredible internal growth in addition to – you know, the adding of a superstar level player somehow. They would have to nail this draft pick. I mean, it would be... It's a uh, well, look, the, I don't think there's expectation that the Heat will, and there shouldn't be, so let's just... Temp- Pat Riley's circling 2020. That's the summer, so you just... This is a... They're, they're going to have to clear their throat this next year, 
right? The, yeah. Wash away this whatever this experiment was, mm-hmm. and and just try to figure out how they're, what they're going to do going forward. And I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be fun. I don't. I think there are going to be a lot of changes to this roster. I just don't know that those changes are going to lead to superstar X showing up in Miami and leading and turning them into contenders. I don't think that we're there yet. I just think I think we're a couple years away from it. So now, um, for best case scenario, if they do acquire a, a top tier level talent, and of course, and they hit on the draft as you said, could they be a team with home court advantage in the playoffs? I think that's possible. Top four, yeah, sure. Well, because you don't know what's going to happen with Philly or Toronto too, right? right. Right. No. Yeah. I mean, Philly Kawhi completely leaves. implode. Joel Embiid. Yeah. Joel Embiid can miss next season with a knee issue or whatever. Yeah. Kawhi could leave, and Toronto hits the reset button, which I don't think that they will, no, because no. only Pascal Siakam is such a great player that they like. They probably like we could build around Lowry and Siakam, but I cannot believe uh, how many people are overlooking. I know I don't want to turn this into a lockdown Raptors podcast, but people are so they're so overlooking this Raptors team so completely in the Eastern Conference, and I've seen a lot of hype looks, devoted yeah. to the Boston Celtics, and I don't know why. They looked really good against Orlando. Like you subtract game one. Yeah. They looked really good. Right? Yeah, yeah. You were there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're really, really good. Defensively in particular. They're they're gonna be able They've to. They've got Kawhi, Danny Green, Pascal Siakam, Marcus Marc Gasol. You've like got they're, Fred they're... Van Vliet coming off the bench. I mean they have so many oh, Kyle Lowry, obviously. Yeah, their the starting lineup is an position. all NBA defensive team, basically. Serge Ibaka coming off the bench. Yeah. Good they luck. can guard anybody. Yeah, good luck. I mean, with Philadelphia, do you like them over Milwaukee? I, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far, but that's going to go seven. I think. I think. I think. I think the Bucks over Celtics in six, and I think, I think the uh, Raps in over Sixers in five. Actually, I'm so glad the Heat aren't in the playoffs after like three years of watching the same team just be average. I'm glad I can just go ahead and appreciate these other teams because it's been a lot of fun. I'm actually, it hasn't been. As bad not having LeBron in the playoffs. Like playoff LeBron is is spectacular and it's an event for you. It, what for, for me? You. Yeah, no, He's I think cr- like, like from somebody who covers the league the way we do, I think it doesn't make that much of a difference because again, we get to see other storylines, other players step. No, that's up, what I'm saying though. I thought I would miss him more than I have been. But I think around the league, especially for peripheral fans, there's going to be some shock there that LeBron isn't in the playoffs. Still. Ratings are apparently down. And I yes. think LeBron not being in it, it does affect that. And teams Absolutely. like Denver and San Antonio, and, you know, which is a great series. That, that series is going seven. Um, thanks to Mark, Chikorito, Marito, Pam Adebayo, Stan, Rico, and Billy for sending in those questions. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Heat. Connect with us on Twitter at Locked on Heat or email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Thanks for spending some time with us today, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.